When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. This is the Miller Report with Suzanne Miller on the Red Apple Podcast Network. And now, here's Suzanne Miller. Welcome to the Miller Report. I'm Suzanne Miller. The Miller Report is a weekly podcast sponsored by WABC. It's about real estate because real estate is the single most important investment any of us could make in our lifetime. Today we have with us a very special guest, someone I think many of you are going to want to hear from. Since 1995, he has sold, you ready, $3 billion in real estate transactions in the Hamptons. That's a lot. He is a, a broker at Corcoran's, an associate broker. He's also part of Corcoran's Presidential Council, and also the Wall Street Journal named him as the fourth top broker in the country. That was a few years ago. I want to manage expectations. Okay, Gary, but welcome Gary DePersia to the Miller Report. Thank you. Thank you. So it's I nice mean, to be here. Yeah, thanks. I, I hope you found your way. I know I gave I you the wrong no, address. No, you gave me the right address. I had it in my head wrong. It's, okay. all, it's all good. It's all I'm good. here. It's air conditioned. Yeah. <laughs> I know. It's great. So, Gary, before I start, I try and let all of our guests understand who you are. Mm-hmm. I know I did a little, I mean, I know you personally from the Hamptons. Mm-hmm. And this is a real estate show, but I also want the listeners to get to know you. Mm-hmm. So I know that you are an avid skier. You spend a lot of time in Aspen. Mm-hmm. But when you're not making deals, tell us a little bit what you do to relax and unwind. You know, fortunately, real estate is the type of thing you can incorporate into your life no matter where you are. So you may be away. You may be in New York City. You may be in the Hamptons, but you're always working on your real estate. And whether I'm skiing, whether I'm windsurfing, whether I'm playing golf, whether I'm at the gym. So that's what you do. A lot of those there. things. I do a lot of those things. So yes. it's skiing, windsurfing. Golf. Golf. Well, gym, golf. Yeah. That sort of thing. So um, that's what I do to relax. And obviously, you know, friends and dinners and things like that. Pretty normal. Pretty normal. I hope you're doing some deals on the golf course. So that seems I, I to do, be. Not so much in the golf course, but I do a lot of deals elsewhere. You do a lot of deals, period. So, uh, Gary, so many people have asked me because I'm really known as a New York broker, even though I have done transactions in the Hamptons. And there's so much going on right now, particularly in New York. And it Mm -hmm. saddens me. Every day I pick up the paper and there's more things going on in New York, more migrants, more crime, more people leaving to Florida. Mm -hmm. How do you think the Hamptons is going to be affected by all the noise that we hear that's going on in New York City right now? Well, as far as, let's take one thing at a time. Let's talk about people leaving for Florida. Mm -hmm. That works in our benefit very often because people who leave for Florida are generally getting rid of their places in the city so they don't have a residency here and don't have to pay tax. But very often, they don't want to spend the three months of the summer in Florida, so they're buying a place or renting a place in the Hamptons. I like so that. that works for our benefit. And this year alone, I've done a few deals with people from Florida, people from Houston, 
Um, and uh, it just goes to show they don't have to be a New York resident or live in the metropolitan area to want to buy a house in the Hamptons. So it's really a secondary home it's, situation. Yeah, yeah. In, in the 28 years I've been doing this, I've sold one primary home. Okay, and That's not to say that people who bought homes didn't wind up moving out there and using it full time. But their initial, uh, their initial motivation was to have a secondary home. And how about the high interest rates, the mortgage rates? How has that affected your sales? You know, it's hard to tell because we're still doing sales. And in fact, in the last month, I could, I could name a number of deals, including record-setting deals that have been done in the Hamptons. The people who are buying high-priced real estate really aren't thinking about what the interest rate is. You know, historically... Historically speaking, the interest rates are still rather low. It's not like the the 80s where they went up to 18%. Oh, come on. Compared to two years ago, it's still very, yeah, very high. Compared to two years ago, absolutely. But it's not preventing people from buying entry-level houses or buying uh, premier properties. So are people buying cash? Do you see a lot of cash transactions? Well, they're all mostly, mostly cash transactions. What they say is it's a non-contingent deal. In real estate parlance, that means they're not making contingent on mm -hmm. getting financing. However, what happens, they go into a non-contingent deal, and then all of a sudden you're getting a call from a appraiser who wants to appraise the right. house because they're doing some intermediate financing. So okay. what that basically means for the listeners, if I could explain it in layman mm -hmm. terms, is that they're buying it cash, and if they get a mortgage, it's not really up to the seller to determine. They still have to close on it. It's That's up right. to them to buy. That's right, they lose their deposit. Got it. I got exactly. it. Exactly. So who are these buyers? Where are they coming from? Everywhere. As I said, I sold a house, actually the second house, I sold to someone who moved from New York to Florida, and uh, they bought a house for me last year in the spring. When they came up this year, they determined they wanted a more modern house, and they put we put their house on the market. We had a deal within a month and a half, and while they were doing that, they had identified a house a little further north, and uh, they paid more for another house. And it was very it was a very easy uh, transaction actually for them. I'm in a restaurant, one of our favorite restaurants in Sag Harbor. Someone's at, sitting at the bar next to me. They say, oh, I know you. I want to show one of your houses. I say, okay, which one? So I take him, show him the house. It doesn't really work for them. So I had been showing a house that was a listing of another broker. I show him a picture of it. They say, yeah, we'd like to see that. So we got an appointment. We went to see it. They wound up buying it. They live in Houston. So we're seeing, we're seeing people buying from different areas of the country. And certainly they've been renting from different areas of the country for years and years. We'll talk about rentals in a minute. But with the high-end buyers, what are some of the things they must have in these homes? You know, fortunately, everyone has their own idea of what their Hampton experience is going to be. Otherwise, we'd be trying to sell the same home to everyone who's out here. So a location, you say, what do they need? Let's talk about where they want to be. It's like saying, where's the best place to buy? Well, where's the best place to live? Uptown, downtown, east side, west side in New York. It's the same in the Hamptons. Everyone has their idea of where they want to be. So first, they got to pick a location. And sometimes that changes as they start searching the houses. They think uh, originally they want to be in Southampton. They wind up buying in East Hampton. They're thinking south of the highway. They wind up buying north of the highway. Um, is it because of price or because? Because they find a better situation mm -hmm. either in different towns. Buyers are liars. They never know what they want. <laughs> it's not that they're liars. You know, if, if they're new to the area 
it's it's two things, finding a house they like and an area they like. Their friends and their real estate experts are all telling them, you got to be here, here, here. You got to buy this, this, this. But when they start to look, they have their own ideas of what they want. And very often, interior of the house, they want a great kitchen. Even though they don't cook, they want a great kitchen. Uh, they want uh, great outdoor areas. They want a great finished lower level if the house supports that, if it's not on the water. Uh, they want an open floor plan as opposed to segmented rooms. These are a lot of the things you see. Uh, you're starting to see, again, more uh, roof decks, particularly on modern houses, which are now in vogue, and people are, are transitioning from uh, traditional houses to modern houses, and that supports a great roof deck. So sometimes you're in an area where you have actual views, whether it's of water, of farm fields, or of something, and so they want a roof deck. They want killer pool houses they can have them. So everyone, although everyone is different, there's sort of a, a commonality of what they're looking for. So just to clarify, when I said buyers are liars, I meant they don't know. They're lying to themselves. They don't no, know they what they don't want. Know. So That's true. So let's go, let's switch to rentals for a minute. What's happening? What do you see? I mean, this- rental market, you know, you heard this thing early on in February and March and April, the rental market's so bad and there's so right. many houses. Let's talk about that for let's a second. Let's talk about that. Okay. So, you know, a lot of People bought houses during COVID. It was a great time to be a real estate broker. So much more product is on and, the market. And, and it, was, it was a lot of fun to be a broker during COVID because people just made decisions. They wanted to be here. And uh, you didn't have that tough negotiation very often that you did. And very often we led, we led the negotiation where, where they had to be and say, yes, sir, we want to buy it now. You know, we, they wanted a house. So they buy the house, and a lot of people bought houses during COVID. And then now some of them want to rent it out either because they want to travel more or because they want to help support the cost of that house. So there was more inventory on the market, okay? But it wasn't a bad real estate market. It was a later, as far as rentals are concerned, it was a later real estate market. So decisions that would have normally been made in January, February, March – were made in April, May, and June, and even well into the summer. I still have for friends August that didn't rentals. rent at all, though, Gary. Yeah, they, they had, had those, and I'll tell you why. Maybe their houses weren't as fresh as they should have been. Mm. Maybe they were still looking at COVID pricing, which was off the charts, and weren't uh, reacting to the reality of a market that wasn't COVID driven. So, so what is the reality now? What is the, well, reality? the reality? How much does it come is, down? Is still, it still costs more uh, to rent a house today than it did five years ago. How about during much. COVID to today? How much percentage do you think it went down? Sometimes 20%, sometimes wow. 15 It depends. Depends on the house, depends on the area. Uh, and a lot of it depends on how the house is set up by the owner of the house. At Evernorth Health Services, we believe costs shouldn't get in the way of life-changing care. And we're doing everything in our power to make it possible. Behavioral health solutions that also keep your projections at their best? It's possible. Pharmacy benefits that benefit your bottom line? It's possible. Complex specialty care that cares about your ROI? It's possible. Because we're already doing it. All while saving businesses billions. That's wonder made possible. Learn more at evernorth.com wonder. This episode is brought to you by La Quinta by Window. 
Your work can take you all over the place, like Texas. You've never been, but it's going to be great because you're staying at La Quinta by Wyndham. Their free bright side breakfast will give you energy for the day ahead. And after, you can unwind using their free high-speed Wi-Fi. Tonight, La Quinta. Tomorrow, you shine. Book your stay today at LQ.com. So if it went down 10 to 20, and I'm going to argue in some cases as much as 30, the th- things have But let's sat, talk sat. about why it's 30%. Mm-hmm. So during COVID, let's say a house would normally rent for 100000 before COVID. Mm-hmm. And then during COVID, they were getting one hundred dollars to $200,000 because of the people just had to be here. And then they thought, oh, the market's just going to keep going up. So the next year, they priced it at 250000 or more. So when they finally reduced it, it seemed like it came down a lot, but it really from where it should have been with having the expectation of going up again, it wasn't that much. So we're really saying that because the prices went up so much, even though it went down, it's it's at a baseline now. Yeah, there was well, it's still not as low as it was uh, pre-COVID, but um, those smart landlords adjusted their prices or adjusted their expectations and got their houses rented. In some cases, it went for a little less money. In some cases, it went for a little less time. Yes, there were a few houses that didn't rent. Um, but for the most part, the people that want to rent it, rent it. And there are, as you said, there are exceptions. And what advice can you give those people that were sitting with their homes? Don't wait for the last dollar to come in. If you have a, first of all, make sure your house is fresh. Make sure your house has TVs in most of the rooms. It's amazing. People come out to the Hamptons to use the beach, to use their pools and stuff. They all want TVs in the room as if they're traveling and they're in a hotel room, okay? Make sure you have that, okay? Um, Make sure your house is uncluttered. People have clutter. No cats or plants. Wherever they live, they don't want that in whatever they're renting and and buying too, by the way. So uh, you just have to set up the house a little differently from your usage. And you may have a house where you don't have TVs. You have one TV in the house because you don't like to watch TV. I guarantee you 90% of the renters you rent to are going to want those TVs. They're going to want them in the master. They're going to want them in some of the kids' rooms. They're going to want them in uh, some type of family room. They're going to want them in the finished lower level. They're going to want them. So if you want to make money, make that small investment – and, and outfit your house. And the same with audio systems and, and your pool furniture. Make it fresh. So what is the minimum term that you rent? Sometimes we rent for a week. Sometimes we rent for a long weekend. But basically, the minimum term that we look to do is two weeks. Mm-hmm. And I'll tell you why. In the United States, there's something called um, the um, Augusta Rule. And the Augusta Rule was designed uh, years ago when the people who were running the Masters golf course in Augusta couldn't find housing for players and people to come. So they got someone to pass a rule that says if you rent your house, and this is a federal rule, this is in IRS, there's a code name for it, I can't remember it. Um, If you rent your house for 14 days or less, one time a year, you don't have to pay income tax on it. So that works for a lot of people. So rather than rent for a month and get $100,000 and have to pay tax on it, they rent for two weeks, get $50,000 or so, don't have to pay any tax on it, and they're out of their house for only two weeks. So if, so, they, if they rent it for two weeks, they move back in, can they rent it for another two weeks? Not, and, and not, they can't, they can, but they won't get that tax benefit. I see. It's just one time a year. 
And what about the new Airbnb laws? Do you think that's going to, so what I understand is they're going to get rid of Airbnb hosts that are not living in the home with the tenant? You know what? I'm not conversant on that, so I can't really comment on it. Well, it's coming. All right. Let's switch over to- I know, la- I know it's a, a thing in New York City right now. Mm-hmm, it we is. We haven't heard that much about yeah, it so out, out in the hand. As I understand the law, mm-hmm. they're not going to let you do Airbnb unless the host is in the home. But is that a New York City thing or is that a state I thing? understand it to be state, but- Okay. Let's, let's switch over to land development. It must be hard to get loans on that. Are you are you selling any land? People don't get loans on land generally. They buy land for cash, and they may get uh, financing for the construction that goes up. What about a lot zoning? of builders have partners? They have money men who fund their fund the, the cost of the land, fund the cost of the construction, and then they split the profits. There are many people who are very successful who do it all on their own. Okay, like Joe uh, Farrell. Like Joe Farrell. <laughs> Hi, exactly. Joe. Exactly. What types of zoning restrictions are there usually on that? Well, every piece of property comes with its own set of restrictions. How much you can build on it, where you can build on it, whether you can have a finished lower level or not. If it's in the FEMA zone, generally you cannot legally. People get around it, but generally you cannot. So, And then if you buy a big uh, plot of land and you subdivide it, you generally have to give a certain amount back as open space. Right. So, for instance, I represented a 40-acre uh, a uh, subdivision years ago in Sagaponic between Hedges Lane and Daniels Lane. And they had to give, out of that 40%, they had to give 25, out of that 40 acres, they had to give 25 acres back as open space. So right now it's a reserve. And they like to create these view sheds. So if you look, if you go past the reserve on, on Hedges Lane and look south, you see that property. If you look north, you see another reserve. They like to have these view sheds on both sides of the road. It's very nice to keep the ambience. Right. So- Which is why they have that 2.5% tax uh, that they take out of every sale that happens now to preserve that, that open space. Tell us about that tax. Where does it go? Years ago, they started in April of 99, and it was originally 2%. And you know you pay a 1% tax, mansion tax on anything you buy over a million dollars. But that 2% tax went to the township that you bought the house in, town of East Hampton, town of Southampton, and they used that to buy up open space. And in good years, that fund was considerable. So what they do is they identify properties that they want to preserve the character of and preserve the character of the Hamptons or the town that it's in. And they buy those and they're no longer able to have buildings on them. I guess it's similar to a co-op in New York where you could have to put money back into your building. You're putting money back into your environment, into your land. Similar, but a little little different. Yeah. Let's switch over to the workforce. Everybody's talking about migrants and all the people coming here. Yet when you go to the Hamptons, there's no workers. I mean, my favorite restaurant, the Cheese Shop, we used to go to religiously. They closed. And I said, you had, used to have lines outside. Why did you close? And the owner said to me, because I don't have staff to fill the orders. That's right. So they need staff. Well, first of all, where are these people living? Where, where, there's no houses. What happens to the workforce? Where do they go? Some very smart restaurateurs rent or buy uh, housing for their staff. I can name a bunch of restaurants that do that, but I'm not going to. Um, Others rent and and put up their staff, and they're generally younger people, so they can share rooms, they can live in 
uh, you know, very basic housing and be happy to be here for the summer while they're working during the day or at night uh, at the restaurants. But yes, it's tough. And, and during COVID, it was particularly tough for restaurants to find uh, to find a workforce because a lot of the secondary part of the workforce was coming from outside of the United States and they couldn't get here. Okay, um, that happened in Aspen as well. It was a big, big problem in Aspen, and restaurants were closed for most of the day when they would normally be open because they didn't have enough people. Same in the Hamptons, but a big part of that trade brigade. That you see every morning. Fridays? Filtered. No, 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 no. The trade brigade is every morning from Monday to Friday that that filters in on Sunrise Highway. And those are people that work. They work for builders. They're landscapers. They're uh, masons. They do all sorts of work in the Hamptons. And they, have to, they live up island, further up island, because it's more economical to do so. So... Now our uh, entry fee to the Hampton is 2.5%, where it used to be 2% before. That half a percent, supposedly, is going to go to aff- create affordable housing. Oh, that's good news. Tell mm-hmm. me, where? Uh, we don't know. They're identifying those places, and we'll see what they do. Now, it's not just for workers who work here. It's also for locals who've been priced out of the area. You know, kids I, graduate college. They want to come back. And they have no place to live unless they live with their parents. I have no idea where that's going to be. But I know Governor Hochul was talking about the state taking over the affordable housing versus the local authorities. Have you read anything about that? I have not. But, again, it so could be possible. Where, where, where do you think they would go? What what neighborhoods? You know, there's talk about affordable housing on uh, on 27 between East Hampton and Amagansett. And I'm not going to identify exactly where. There was talk about affordable housing off Buckskill Road. I, I don't know what the plans are for that. They talk about it a lot. I don't know exactly where it's going to be. So today I'm looking at the news, and I have a house in Sag Harbor, mm-hmm. and I'm worried about Very Hurricane nice Hurricane. Thank you, Hurricane Lee. So there's so much going on with global warming and climate change, mm-hmm. and most of the Hamptons really is on the water. Yeah. Do people ask you these questions when they're buying? Most people ask, what's insurance going to cost? Well, that's a good point. Insurance insurance is very expensive. I had a person this week who is signing a contract on a pricey house north of the highway, and they had an insurance. It was nowhere near the water. It was basically across from a farm field, nowhere near the water, and their insurance company would not cover them in the Hamptons. We don't know why. But you can get uh, insurance. You can get insurance if you're on the water. It just costs more. There are companies that do insure. There are companies that have stopped insuring. We are not as fragile an environment as South Florida, where a lot of insurance companies have left. Yep. Or uh, Louisiana, like New Orleans, where they have had major problems, obviously. Or even the West Coast, in some areas where they get fires and mudslides and other catastrophes. Earthquakes. Well, hopefully we don't end up like South Florida and we are able to get insurance companies. I'm actually going to have on the Miller Report a key person from the insurance companies to come in and talk about that yeah. because it's a very big so, issue. We can't get insurance. Yeah. So there is a plan called the um, Coastal Assessment Resilient uh, Program. Uh, and what that is, is uh, 
is a multifaceted plan that and I'm going to, I can't remember the whole thing, so I'm going to give you some segments of it. Uh, it's basically going to, and, and by the way, many, many towns, whether they're on the water or whether they're not, have these type of backup plans. Aspen has it. Wherever there's a choke point, like Aspen, yeah, as you know, as you come in Aspen, you have Route 82. They have their own plan in case of catastrophes. So the Hamptons is uh, is creating a plan, and it covers coastal erosion, a vulnerable transportation system, uh, long-term sustainability of certain town focus areas due to very high coastal risk, uh, future residential and commercial property damage. So they're looking at a multifaceted uh, program to help ensure that the East End, in case of a catastrophe, is not decimated. And with the rising water, which is happening everywhere, uh, they have a plan for it. Who's they? They is... Is it the government? Uh, it, the gay is the local authorities. It's FEMA. It's people they hire who are advisors to do this type of thing. Uh, so it's there's a lot of people involved, plus uh, the public who's going to opine on this. Well, I hope it goes through because um, it definitely will affect all of our values of real right, estate. Right, right. So, Gary, I always try and um, end all my... And thank you so much. You've been, people really want to know what's going on in the Hamptons. You've been very helpful. But people do want to... They, people that are looking to buy now, people that own, people ask me every day, should I sell, should I buy? I know you don't have a crystal ball. And I don't want you to be a broker when I ask you this question. I want you to think about it. How do you see the Hamptons in the next five years? And what do you think will, what key things could change that will affect it? I don't see it being affected adversely to a large extent. Okay. The market goes up, the market goes down. Okay. People who live in the metropolitan area, people who live in South Florida and other areas, they want a place to go in the summer where their friends are, where their colleagues are, to bring their family. One of the biggest motivations to buy a house in the Hamptons or sell a house in the Hamptons is their family. Their family lives here. Their family lives here. They want the kids. They want the grandchildren to come or they want their parents to come. They want their friends to come. They buy a house in the Hamptons. One of the biggest things that have changed since I started coming out as a summer person or a weekend person in the 80s is that today, many more people use their houses off-season. Yeah, I love off-season. every weekend, but many weekends yes. off-season so that there's more motivation to buy a house and there's now people, colleagues and friends to have dinner dates with, off-season tennis matches, off-season golf matches, play dates for their kids. It's not just buying a house for the 120 days of the summer. It's the buying a house that they'll use off and on year-round. So that's not going to change. And in the summer, it's not, as you know, it's not getting any cooler out in the summers. People aren't spending time on the roof. They're not going to the Jersey Shore. They're going to go to the Hamptons. And as the Hampton market expands to other areas that people didn't necessarily think they were going to buy in the Hamptons, that opens up more possibilities at different price ranges for a variety of buyers. Well, I hope that you're right. I think the people that are listening and have homes in the Jersey Shore, no offense, the Jersey Shore is fine. 
But um, I appreciate what you said that you don't think the Hamptons is going to be as affected with my first question about what's happening in New York. But thank you so much for coming on the Miller Report. My pleasure. Thank you for having me. You've been very helpful and insightful. And we need to keep the Hamptons strong and, and tough. And thank you for coming on the Miller Report. Thank you. Dear listeners, thank you for coming on my podcast. If you like what you're listening to, please download, subscribe, and share. Thank you so much. Bye. This is Greg Kelly for Priority Gold. What does it mean to be America's precious metals dealer? It means that you're in touch with the hearts and minds of those who love this country, value our freedom, and want to protect the future. Priority Gold is that precious metals dealer. They've helped thousands of Americans back their retirement with solid gold and silver. Call Priority Gold at 888-506-6439. Receive free shipping, free storage, a free investment guide, and one of the best purchase experiences in the industry. Call now or go to PriorityGold.com.